Today we're going to discuss, I'm, uh, again, once again for the second time this week, I'm completely ripping this off from the new book, Headlines 2, David Lichtenstein. Um, and he has a very, but, but I should note, this article that I am ripping off from him, he has ripped off from <laughs> Rabbi Akiva Niaus, who he quotes. He, uh, he gives credit to someone from the Chicago uh, community, Kolel, who looked into the issue of sherry cask whiskey. I don't know how many of you are whiskey drinkers. I hope not too many of you. But there is a major cautious controversy about many of the single malt scotches and whiskeys that people drink. So what is the Kashros controversy? For many, many years, it was always assumed the safest drink that could not possibly, there couldn't be anything wrong with it, is whiskey. There can't be any Kashros concern with barley, water, yeast, and that's it. That's all that goes into it. However, uh, about 60 years ago, maybe close to 70 years ago already, Rabbi Tights from Elizabeth, New Jersey, Zechron of Racha, realized that blended whiskeys had some wine put into them, and it's often a significant amount of wine. He realized that up to 2.5% of the drink, when you're dealing with a blended whiskey that has stam yenam put into it, now wine itself, there's there's no non-kosher ingredients in wine, but stam yenam, any wine that comes from a non-Jew, you have to be uh, concerned about that. That that itself is an iser midrabanan. So 2.5% of the liquid, which is more than 160th, 160th, any math majors, 160th is... 1.67%. 1.67%. So 2.5% is more than that, and, uh, and therefore, Lechorah would be a problem. So Rabbi Taitz and Rabbi Moshe went back and forth on this issue, because Rabbi Moshe was makel about Stam Yenim. Rabbi Moshe in Yerdei Echelik Aleph, Simen Samach Beis, Samach Gimel, Samach Dalit, kept on going back and forth with Rabbi Taitz. Rabbi Taitz kept on saying, well, you've got to make it Asr. Rabbi Moshe said, I'm not going to Asr. Back and forth, Rabbi Moshe refused to Asr it. So we're going to have to discuss why Rabbi Moshe refused to Asr it, mostly because Rabbi Moshe held that the ratio we're looking at should not be 60 to 1, but rather 6 to 1. As long as you have 6 times the whiskey to the wine, you're going to be okay. Where does that come from? Now, the Shulchan Aruch in Yardes and Kuflam and Hay goes through how to use a kli that once had non-kosher wine in it and to get rid of all of the tam of non-kosher wine from the kli. And really, when we talk about sherry cask whiskey, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about where Ramesha was talking about, where they're blending wine into it. When they put wine into something, it's very easy to figure out the percentage and to know whether you have the percentage that you need or not. When you're talking about kalim, however, you're not talking about putting wine into it, you're talking about aging whiskey in a kli that is supposedly absorbed with the tam of yayin. Well, how do you measure that? How do you measure the tam of yayin in the kli? So the Shukhanarach says, you certainly have to worry about it, and he goes through all these uh, uh, procedures as to how to get rid of the tam of yayin. Now, obviously, the whiskey companies are not trying to get rid of the tam of yayin. They're trying to take advantage, to capitalize on the tam of yayin that's in the sherry cask because it makes it taste better. They realized a number of years ago that it makes it taste better. So, some of the uh, background um, halachos that are, that are critically relevant over here. That if you put wine in a kli that used to have non-kosher wine, Shulchan doesn't talk about whiskey, he talks about wine, kosher wine, that you put in a kli that used to have non-kosher wine, Shulchan says, 
Aser. You're not allowed to drink that wine. However, says the Shulchan Aruch, if you put other drinks, beer, water, into a barrel that used to have non-kosher wine, that is mutter. So the, uh, why the difference? What difference does it make whether you put kosher wine into the kli or whether you put beer into the kli? So the difference seems to be the issue of no saint tam lifgan. We assume that when something gives a negative taste, if the non-kosher product gave a negative taste to the uh, food, it will not make the food non-kosher. It will not have a negative effect on the food. But if it gives a positive taste to the food, that's when we have to be concerned about it. We assume people do not want the taste of wine in their beer or in their water, and therefore it's considered no St. Tom Lifgam, a negative taste. That's why you're allowed to drink such beer or water. But wine that's put in a wine cask, you certainly want the taste of the wine enhanced by the wine that's in the barrel, and therefore it's, uh, it's no sintam lishvach, and it would be asr. So the question is, how does that translate over to the shari cask? So it would seem pretty obvious. Is this lishvach or lifgam? When the wine comes out of the barrel, the taste of the wine comes out of the barrel into the whiskey, is that bad for the whiskey or good for the whiskey? Well, pretty simple. If it was bad for the whiskey, they wouldn't do it. They do it because it's good for the whiskey. In fact, they could charge exponentially more for the whiskey because people so desire that flavor of wine. Uh, Schleiman Miller thought that, no, that's not what's happening. The flavor of wine would actually be bad for the whiskey. It's the aroma of the wine that's good for the whiskey. And Reichalav Milsa, we don't have to worry about aroma. And maybe that would solve the entire problem. That is a very difficult thing to, uh, to understand. You know, exactly how do you differentiate between the flavor of the wine, the aroma of the wine. You certainly ask the, the whiskey companies, they'll tell you that it's the flavor of the wine, not the aroma of the wine. So fundamentally, assuming that we're going to require bittel, that it's going to be a problem, that we need to have so much kosher product that it has to overpower and be mevatel, the non-kosher taste of the wine that's coming into it. So what are the numbers over here? Typically speaking, we assume 1 60th. 60 to 1 is, is enough to... You have a, a drop of milk falls into the chicken soup, right? You learn this very basic thing. How much chicken soup, how much milk? If it's 60 to 1, perfect, you're kosher. Otherwise, not so good. So, uh, in fact, many of the Rishonim assume the same is true when it comes to wine. That's what the Ramban and the Ritva write in Avodazara, Daf Ayin Gimel. However... The tour in Yerodeus and Kuflamadal quotes from the Ravid and from the Ri, and this is how we pass in the Shulchan Aruch that when it comes to wine, you only need one sixth of the mixture. Uh, the, uh, the, the, if you have one sixth of the mixture, that's, that's good enough. Why? So the, uh, the Shach says that uh, he, in, in the context of explaining Ramah, the Ramah writes in Yardeh Kufya Dalid that you're not allowed to buy a drink that normally has wine added uh, from Gayim unless you're sure that there's one 60th. So the Shach writes that the Ramah makes a distinction between water and other drinks. When wine mixes with water, you only need a 6 to 1 ratio because water in a 6 to 1 ratio will make it not even wine at all. 
but mixed with other drinks, you need a 60 to 1 ratio. However, the Taz disagrees with that shach, and he says, regardless of the beverage that you're mixing the wine with, you only need a one, a six to one ratio. So, Minchas Yitzchak, Rav Moshe Feinstein, uh, both say, well, certainly Rav Moshe Feinstein says you need a six to one ratio, and that's good enough. And he points out that probably even the shach would agree that wine is completely negated by something as strong as whiskey. Whiskey is a very powerful drink. If you ever have tasted it, uh, certainly the first time, it feels like it's burning out your entire insides. It's an extremely powerful drink. So one would imagine that it's powerful enough to negate the taste of wine. When you have a kli that had non-kosher wine in it, wine is absorbed only in the very surface layer of the kli, what we call a kadei klipa of the kli. Ooh, so might you have a 6 to 1 ratio of the content of the barrel to the klipa, just the, the surface layer of the kli? You might, and in fact, Shulchan says that's all you need to have. But on the other hand, the shach paskins, that you need to have a 6 to 1 ratio, not of whiskey to the surface of the kli, but whiskey to the entire thickness of the kli. He assumes that when wine is in a kli, it will absorb, it will get absorbed in the entire thickness of the kli. If you do the math on that, and people have, people who've done the research, have done the math, and they've discovered that it's, uh, not, it's, it's not enough, not enough whiskey to be mvatel, the entire thickness of the kli. So where does that leave us right now? Where that leaves us right now is we cannot say that wine is no St. Thomas gum into the whiskey. It certainly improves the whiskey. So we're going to require bittel. How much do we need for bittel? Maybe 60 to 1, but more likely 6 to 1. Okay, do we have 6 to 1? Well, if you hold that you only need a Kadei Klippa, you have 6 to, that it only absorbs Kadei Klippa, you have 6 to 1. But we don't hold that way. We seem to assume that it gets the shot, like the shot, that it gets totally absorbed in the full thickness of the barrel, so we don't have 6 to 1. And that, therefore, should lead us to the conclusion that we've got a problem with with uh, whiskey that's aged in sherry casks. So what are the kulas? Why is it that at any shul kiddush you go to, uh, you will find that uh, you'll find all sorts of whiskeys that are supposedly aged in sherry casks. I mean, uh, you've seen the name, the Macallan, the Macallan, right? That's uh, aged in sherry, Glenfiddich, well, Glenfiddich I think is not, uh, Glenmorangi and uh, Balveni, and all, all of these, all these, uh, the, these famous drinks, they're all aged in sherry casks, and Jews are drinking them. So uh, why is it? Is it because uh, all the people who are drinking them just don't know anything about kashras? No, there is room for leniency, and here is the, that room for leniency. The whole issue over here is in Yisrael to begin with. Okay, but we listen to Yisrael and we care what the rabbis have to say. But whenever you deal with Yisrael Midrabanan, Lakula. So are there any Sveikos over here? Might there be room to say, well, we're not sure about certain things? Well, first of all, we already pointed out one of the Sveikos. It was a machlokas whether the wine gets absorbed only in the klipa, in the outermost surface, or the wine gets absorbed fully. So we assumed, like the shach, that the wine gets absorbed fully. Shulchan Aruch didn't assume that way. Shulchan Aruch assumed that the wine only gets absorbed in the Kadei Klipa. Second major kula, the Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that once 12 months have passed, since there's been wine in that barrel, you no longer have to worry about the taste of wine in the barrel, even if the barrel's been in use in those 12 months. 
Well, that therefore would mean that the what they call the first fill or the first generation whiskey in those sherry casks would be a problem. Second generation, meaning they'll age it for the Macallan, 18 years they age it. And then what do they do? They empty it, they bottle it, and what do they just throw out the sherry cask? No, they refill them with more the Macallan for 18 years from now, right? So only that first generation would be a problem because that only that first generation is within a year of when it was used for wine. So that would be uh, another tzad l'kula. You don't know if you have a first generation or not. A, a third tzad l'kula, you also don't know, but by the time the barrels get shipped uh, to Scotland from Spain, you know, where they're making the wine in Spain, the sherry is in Spain, and they're shipping the barrels to Scotland where they're making the scotch, right? By the time it gets it, who knows? Maybe they're not using it till after 12 months since the, uh, since the last time it was used. That's a little iffy because they probably are, meaning with modern shipping methods and uh, you know, the way companies uh, uh, try to maximize profits and not waste time and make things happen quickly, it's unlikely that, uh, that, that, that 12 months passed. But then David Lichtenstein did some of his own research. He's a, uh, uh, a well-to-do fellow, so he can afford to do his own, uh, his own research, and here's what he did. He sent a bottle of uh, five different sherry cask whiskeys, or four out of five sherry cask whiskeys, to a lab to have it studied for how much grape product there is. What is the percentage of grape product in the whiskeys? And they found, uh, for example, the Macallan, 0.05%. 0.05%. That is less than one-sixth. That is less than one-sixtieth. That is a very, very tiny percentage. So now the whole question becomes, okay, do we rely on a lab in halacha. So this might be related to the machlokas in Yerodeasim and Sadiches. If you're not sure if there's any tam of, let's say, chazer in your, uh, in your, in your cholent, you know, a little piece of chazer fell in, or you're not sure if there's any tam of milk in your, in your chicken soup, can you rely on a guy to taste it and say something like, oh, this chicken soup's good, but my mom used to make it better because she used to put milk in it. And then you say, oh, obviously he doesn't taste the milk. Can you rely on a guy? Shulchanach says yes, the Ramah says no. That's what some of the posts can point out. Uh, in Ashkenazi, he's not allowed to rely on a guy for that, but he's allowed to rely on a Sephardi for it, right? So the Sephardi could ask the guy, and then the Ashkenazi could ask the Sephardi. Uh, okay, but there are that, the, the Ramah says we don't rely on it, either because... We, we, we don't think we can trust him. Or, as Rukhi Vegas says, uh, because people might not uh, be able to detect the taste. People might maybe aren't as good at, at detecting taste. According to either of those reasons, L'chora, we don't have a problem over here because, of course, you could trust the lab. They're a professional lab. And also, uh, they're, they're, they're measuring it with scientific methods. They're not uh, just tasting it. So, of course, they're going to be able to detect the, the taste. In fact, he quotes that the Sharm Ba'alacha quotes from uh, the Sholem and from the Beis Yitzchak that relied on, on lab tests uh, when there was a concern of pig fat in, in oil that they relied on lab tests. And also relied on lab tests for some of these things. It's not so pashat though, because uh, Rabbi Eli Gersten from the OU pointed out 
that the lab tests are only measuring grape product, but sherry that's, that's used for these uh, barrels is not regular wine, it's fortified wine, and it's 20 to 22% alcohol. So a lot of what they're, the, and the source of that alcohol they'll never be able to tell with a lab test. They're, they're only telling what's left of the grape product, so they're not really able to, uh, to, to, to say with certainty. Also, and, and probably more fundamentally, if you did lab tests on, you know, you take a, if someone calls, uh, calls me up and says, oh, I accidentally cooked a uh, milchig food in a fleshig pot. Oh, send it to the lab, right? Send it to the lab. You know what the lab is going to tell you? You're out of your mind. There's no fleshigs in there. There's nothing. We'd have to basically take, take all the Yerodeas off the shelf in the base measures and throw them in the garbage. Because uh, if, you, if you're relying on that, we assume in halacha that there's Tom and Kalim. We assume in halacha that there are rules for how Tom works. So it's unlikely that lab tests would be sufficient over here to, uh, to rely on. Probably we have to rely on the halacha, the way it's been handed down for generations. But even having said that, there is still ample room to be made. That's why the OU policies, they won't give ashkacha on it. They won't give ashkacha because even if it's kosher, there's a rule of You're not allowed to purposely be mevatel nisr. So they're never going to give ashkacha on something like that. Um, and uh, they won't allow it even at OU events either. Uh, Rav Belsky and Rav Shachter are both machmer on this issue, but there's, uh, there's, there's many poskim that would not have a, a problem with it based on the bitl b'sheish, and the chances are that it is batl b'sheish, that the tam doesn't get absorbed throughout the entire kli, and even if it does, we have all these different sudden lakula. Okay.